Welcome to the Cover 5 podcast where we will be covering six games because it is super wildcard weekend here. It's playoff time, everything is on the line, and a ton of bad weather is on the way. Hilo, uh, thank you for joining as you've done all season. You can find him over on Twitter at HiloFF, me on Twitter at JordanVanekDFS. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hilo, kick it to you first. We're going to get right into it. The Browns are traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. The over-under in that game's 44 and a half. Texans are underdogs at home. It's Joe Flacco riding high in the playoffs. How are you playing this game? Joe Flacco, that's how, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I was riding with him the last six games, sure. or I guess five, uh, prior to week 18 of the regular season. And you look at how that team is set up. They had one game of a positive pass rate over expectation in everybody starts, not named Joe Flacco this year in every Joe Flacco start. They have been amongst the league leaders in pass rate over expectation. You look at his first four starts, 42 pass attempts or more in each start. He then played the jets and they absolutely caddywhomped him. Um, so he had like 20 something. Um, and then he sat out week 18. So like this team very clearly, has identified that Joe Flacco tossing the football gives them the best chance to win. And if you look at like how their season shaped up, I wrote a piece for 33rd saying the Browns season just ended <laughs> when Deshaun Watson went down. I, Joe Flacco, dude, like gave this team everything they needed to give them a chance. Um, and he is, he's, he's playing ball, man. He's, he's playing ball. So you look at the combined target rates of Amari Cooper and David Njoku in the four games in that span where they were fully healthy. We can remove the New York Jets game because that was a non-standard game script. So basically they played together for three games uh, fully healthy with Joe Flacco. They combined for 51% of the targets. Um, these two guys are the offense through the air. Um, and yeah, like, with uh, with Cedric Tillman out, we're probably going to see David Bell uh, as the wide receiver three alongside Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper. So you talk about that. It's like it's a similar discussion to be had some of these other offenses like Philadelphia or um, San Francisco. If one of their primary guys, one of their normal starters is out, typically we just see further concentration on the guys remaining. So the upside for Amari Cooper and David Njoku is off the charts. Stack them up with... Um, with Joe Flacco. Um, I think everybody's going to be doing that on the two gamer. So a little bit separate mindsets here. Everybody's going to be doing that on the two gamer, but there are some tantalizing quarterbacks and situations, namely the two quarterbacks in the Sunday night game being the lions uh, against the Rams that are probably going to draw some ownership on the full slate. So the way that I think is most optimal to play the situation is stack up Joe Flacco, double him on the full slate. Um, potentially some, some cases to be made for jumping into the weather game, which we're going to cover here shortly on Saturday on the Saturday only slate for your quarterback, um, just from a pure leverage perspective. So that's how I'm playing the, the Browns. You can mess around on a two gamer with guys like Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, because a touchdown at their respective salaries could and have them enter the optimal discussion. But, um, there are there are better places to go. On the other side of this game, um, we need to talk about the injuries to Cleveland's defense first and foremost, because 
they have a ton of injuries in the secondary right now. Um, that should theoretically set up well for Nico Collins here. Um, he has like 34% target rate against man coverage. We know that the Browns are in man coverage, the heaviest rate in the league. Um, but there's an interesting dynamic with this spot because both Noah Brown and Robert Woods are questionable. If both those guys miss, why wouldn't they shadow with Denzel Ward? Like, I mean, that's if I'm Schwartz in Schwartz's position, that's what I would do. Uh, if you like, until you prove you can beat me elsewhere, I'm just going to throw my best guy on your best guy and we're going to go ball. Um, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Um, Jim Schwartz has designed this defense. It, he has the personnel that is perfect fit for what he wants to do. And that's kind of what we're seeing this season. So that's an interesting dynamic. Um, Nico Collins is very clearly a top on paper play on this two gamer. He has four games of 30 or more DK points this season. That is tied with Tyreek Hill for the second most in the league, only second to CD Lamb's five games. And CD, like three of those are like 40 plus. So he's just absolutely balling. But um, yeah, a lot of people, because running back is so scotch, I mean, you look at the running backs, you. You can pick between one of three Miami running backs, potentially. You can pick uh, Isaiah Pacheco is probably going to be very um, heavily owned. So a lot of people are going to be playing Devin Singletary um, just because they have to play two running backs. But if you look at this matchup, both teams, these are the top two teams in the league in yards allowed before contact per carry. So the Houston Texans are number one at 0 .90, and the Cleveland Browns are number two at 0 .100 or 1.00, sorry. Um, that's not a lot of push that they are allowing offensive lines to get against them. So yes, the Browns like DVOA, their metrics against the run might look okay on paper, but the injuries um, have forced them to play more men in the box. And that's kind of how they are stopping the run. So they've kind of just been victimized by volume against when you look at their top level metrics against the run. So this is a spot where I expect both teams to be slinging. This is a spot where both of these franchises have run the gamut emotionally this season through injuries, through all this stuff, but the very talented coaching and very talented or very um, upside derivative offenses. They're able to pull out mismatches, generate mismatches. We've talked about the Houston Texans run game a lot. Um, their pass game a lot this season. So yeah, this game probably on the full six game slate, I would say this game probably has the second clearest path to developing into a game that you had to have second, only to the lions uh, and the Rams. So yeah, stack it up, play everything. We're going to have to get a little unique on the two gamer. Um, some stuff to talk about, but we don't have to get into that just yet. Yeah. I, Sum it up, I definitely agree with you on Flacco being just an overall great play on the slate. He's averaging almost 13 yards off of play action, and the Houston Texans yeah. are the worst team in the NFL at defending play action. So that set up well in their first matchup. Amari Cooper obviously had over 200 yards. Crazy, crazy production that day. The one thing I think is interesting about that, Derek Stingley didn't guard him for a single one of those. Yeah, not a single play was Derek Stingley in the vicinity of Amari Cooper. That's was, the chess piece. 
Was that right when they were making the shift to heavier rates of quarters? That was like a week or two after they were there. They were in quarters their at scheme. that point. Yeah, they were in yeah. quarters at that point. There, because that's what D'Amico wants to run. Yeah. Um, I just think from a lineup, like a fundamental like change that you could just do is put Derek Stingley on him, and then also have your linebackers and everything else be like, hey, if he comes on a crosser, like this is you. Because Stingley lined yeah. up on one play, and Amari Cooper immediately ran a crosser all the way to the other side of the field. Flacco extended a play, which was... Ooh, doggy, look at that it's man just, move. It's just one of those <laughs> things that, like, I don't know how he's, like, mobile right now, but it is what it is. Um, overall, though, on the Texan side of things, Nico Collins balled out and dominated in that matchup against Houston. I don't see it. I don't see him being able to win in this matchup against the Cleveland Browns. Like I understand how good he's been all year. Jim Schwartz, these corners are just, they're just built kind of different. Like I, I know the scheme and the concept like is all about the Kyle Shanahan system and getting guys with separation, getting guys open. The Browns punch the 49ers right in the mouth. <laughs> like, the Browns, Jim Schwartz is eight and one against Kyle Shanahan. And he has dominated him because it's not soft zone coverages and, and getting guys like allowing you to play with space. His yeah. identity is I'm taking away space. You have to beat me by being better than me. And right now, with the corners they have, like it's a it's a very tough draw for Houston getting back to the postseason. Yeah. Granted, they were they were never supposed to be here. Like they're in on their defensive side of the ball. Will Anderson, what he's playing through right now is just absurd. Like he's playing through such a bad ankle injury. He's limping every yeah. play, but also handling tackles, double teams, and stuff like that. Um, the player, if Stingley does kind of shadow his side of the field, at least the player that I really love in this matchup is Elijah Moore. Um. He also, he's been targeted against quarters quite a bit. He's been productive with Joe Flacco here and there. He's more of the two-game slate play than the big slate just because of what his ceiling is. But overall, like, it wouldn't shock me if Elijah Moore made multiple big plays, especially if Derek Stingley actually went to Amari Cooper's side because Steven Nelson's not good in coverage, but Derek Stingley is, uh, is one of those guys that I fully expect to be not with Amari Cooper stride for stride, but be able to take away the just go routes that he was running and getting open. Yeah. On. So it's a, it's a little interesting little nugget there where he just wasn't a part of the coverage against him last time. I think he will be this time, but Joe Flacco at 6,100, the third lowest price quarterback on the wildcard weekend, which is insane considering what he's done <laughs> yeah. in the snaps that he's like the Rams game was like the only game that was like, this guy's not good. <laughs> Joe Flacco averaged 25 fantasy points per game, just 25.02 fantasy points per game in his starts. That's <laughs> that was third like in the should... league if the, over the full season. Yeah. I mean, if we, if they would have factored in weather somehow, they should have put him over to it. But on the Stroud side of things, I love CJ Stroud. I don't think this is a good matchup for him. I don't think yeah. this offense line is going to be able to hold up and like, it's a rookie quarterback against a great defense in the playoffs. Like if Stroud wins this game, this dude's taking onto a category that doesn't, <laughs> that shouldn't be like, 
Yeah. It's crazy how good he is if he's able to pull this out and he's going to have to put it on his back pretty much because it's yeah. he's going to have to create plays after the catch. I do like him as a runner here, but again, he's more expensive than Stafford, Love, Goff, Flacco. Like, I don't see the path of him beating out all of these guys with only Nico Collins. If we had Tank Dell, it would be a different story. Um, yeah. I don't mind Devin Singletary just because of his workload. Don't love him. Don't hate him. I, I think on the main slate, if I play him, it would be a mini stack and it would be like him and Cooper or him and Njoku. I wouldn't just play him as a as a one-off and hope this game is just defensive because, again, the Browns-Bears game is a perfect example of the Browns knowing like, oh, we can't run the ball? Cool. Let's just throw it 70 times. So yeah. volume will get there for Cooper and Njoku. They have the highest ceilings. But let's move forward to the next one or the other, next game of this Saturday slate. Miami Dolphins taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. It's negative 30 degrees or negative or zero, negative 30. It's going to be cold. Fun yeah, fact, but it's guess be cold what? for both teams. Exactly. It's cold for everybody. <laughs> it's not cold for one team. I don't care how many people tell me that the Kansas City Chiefs have are been used to this weather. They're not. Nobody is. Nobody, nobody is. Likes, nobody can play football in this weather and be very happy about it. Yes, Mahomes has had games where it's been snowing. It he has not played in games where it's zero, like, and it's gonna be like negative ten. Like Mahomes can be great, maybe throw the football and stuff, but can Kelsey catch a rock? Like, can these receivers catch a rock because they haven't been able to catch the ball at all this year? They, so they can't catch anything. Like it's gonna be screen passes. It's gonna be handing it off to Pacheco and like Pacheco. Yeah, like the cheese side of the ball. Uh, Pacheco is good. Rashi Rice, I think, could get get multiple screens, but again, that's not a ceiling. Like that's not fun. Um, and then for me on the Miami Dolphins side, on the two game slate, I, I don't I don't think all season long we could play Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Tua for like a combined what five to fifteen percent right now. It feels like like none of them are getting played. Like nobody's going to it because nobody believes in them and. The end of the day, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill can do it after the ball gets in their hands. They're they're fast. <laughs> like, yeah. like I know that they it's cold fast. outside. They 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 can run faster than it's cold. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to catch them if they you know do these things. It's funny to me that we both see it from like the side point or standpoint of like leverage. I won't be playing this on the main because it's just not worth it. But for the Saturday slate, like. There's no well, payup options. <laughs> I got some things to say about that. And all right, well, I'll wrap up the Miami side of things here. The running back situation is interesting with Moser. Obviously, we know Achan has been, you know, the lead back here. Jeff Wilson played a lot of snaps last week. And for me, in this negative 20 degree weather, like you need a physical running back. I lean Jeff Wilson on that two game slate for the uniqueness, for the get different. Like, if I'm playing a Joe Flacco lineup with Amari Cooper and David Njoku, I want to be different somewhere. And Jeff Wilson is the pathway to get different. And you could probably fit in like a Tyree kill with Jeff Wilson. And that's totally viable on that main slate. Hilo, what, how are you playing this one? Yeah, I think the, first of all, this game, even with the weather, this is already all factored in. This game has a 0.5 game total lower than the morning game. Yep. Browns, Texans, 44 and a half. Dolphins, Chiefs, 44. That's with 
the weather factored in. So if Vegas is telling us that it's an effective coin flip, it's ace-king versus queens, it's 51% to 49%, which game is going to score more points? Why would we not listen to that? Why would we not mm -hmm. play Tyree Kill at 20% ownership on a two-game slate? When has that ever happened? Never. Why would we not? This, this is the most interesting thing to me. I think that those guys should be played on the full game, on the full six-game slate. You're going to get those guys at 5% ownership on the six-gamer. You're going to get them at 20, 25% ownership on the two-gamer. So is it more beneficial? Because if if Jalen Waddle and or Tyreek Hill hit, they're going to hit really freaking hard. And if they hit really freaking hard, is it most beneficial on a two-game slate where you're the field is forced, like they're going to feel forced to play them at some rate, or would it be more beneficial to get a 40-burger from Tyreek Hill at 5% ownership on a six-game slate? That's probably more beneficial on the six-gamer. So I think I'm going to get my exposure to the Dolphins pass game on the full six-game slate because the leverage is greater. If they hit, they're going to hit hard. If they hit, if Tyreek Hill goes for 30 points, it doesn't really buy you much. You can probably get that with an with a uh, with a Cooper Cup or a Puka Nakua. Um, most definitely with a CD Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown. So it's not buying you as much. If he hits for a 30 burger on the two game slate, you might need that. You might not. He's the highest price player on that slate. So what we really are playing him for is his elite 40 point, 45 point ceiling that is the true separator. And if that happens, it's most beneficial on the sick gamer. So that's like the theoretical thought process behind like how I would be approaching that. Um, but I agree, man, this, um, the Kansas city chiefs have some interesting pieces as well. Um, Isaiah Pacheco probably not going to be played a whole ton on the six game slate for similar reasons. Everyone sees this, like the last time these two teams played, they played 21 to 14. Now they're doing it in sub zero weather wind chill factor of minus 30. Like get out of here, dude. I'm not going to play that. Well, why not? What that is probably going to lead to, and it's the same discussion for the Buffalo Bills, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, is more screen passes, is more down and dirty, is more guards and tackles pulling to double to create a hole for a Isaiah Pacheco who runs like a freight train uh, to hit the open field because it's going to be very hard to tackle 4-3 speed in the open field. Same thing with Devon A. Chan, a little bit. He's, he's a smaller guy he's not as beefy as as isaiah pacheco but same idea like the the game plan for these teams should be to get these guys past the first level into the open field and if they do that you look at the underlying metrics for this miami rush defense they're top five in yards allowed before contact they're top five in yards allowed per carry but that was with a healthy linebacking core what did they do this week they placed three linebackers including van ginkle on injured reserve well they're they all went out they're all the true. Okay. Right. Right. I was going to say they go three, four. They don't. It's the yeah. David Long is still there. But yes, no, the edge of yeah. Miami is James Houston and Bruce Irvin this week. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Off of their couch. It's yeah, Off of their it's, couch. It's, it's and, no, it's really bad. And both starting safeties who also are responsible in this scheme for stopping yeah. the run are questionable. They did not practice at all. That includes Javon Holland. Oh, by the way, and Xavier Howard is out. This team is beyond injured 
Like we talked about Cleveland, they're a little banged up. The Miami Dolphins are yeah. they are injured. Their, their defensive <laughs> metrics don't matter right now. Like I no. I don't think I refer to any of their defensive metrics in the main slate piece just because like why? Like what's the purpose of like for me, it's like why do we refer back to that Cleveland Houston game for Houston's offense when like Stroud it's like week, week eight, matter. week seven? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Stroud literally didn't play against Cleveland. So like we shouldn't be talking about that. Like we could talk yeah. about it from the flip side, but no, it's it's one of those things that yes, it's it's ridiculous. I don't like it at all. Yeah. So Pacheco, one of the top plays on the two game slate for sure, uh potentially on the full slate as well. And then I mean Rasheed Rice has seen nine targets or more in five of his last six games. Didn't do so last week, but he still put up 100 um, yards through the air. Four of his last six games, he's gone over 100 yards or scored a touchdown. He's done that together once. Um, and that's I use the last six games because that's when he started seeing more of a full-time role when they were trying to, quote-unquote, simplify their offense. Um, Kadarius Tony is questionable what's new um Nicole Hardman likely not going to play a whole ton um so it's like Marquez Valdez Scantling Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross is out so who else do they have um it's gotta be Travis Kelsey it's gotta be Isaiah Pacheco and it's gotta be Rasheed Rice in this spot if the Chiefs want to avoid the upset so that's kind of where I would leave my primary exposure obviously for GPPs for MME stuff um, dipping a little bit deeper than that. But the, one of the most interesting aspects to me is Patrick Mahomes, dude. Like, like Patrick Mahomes is expected to be the third highest owned quarterback on the slate. Both CJ Stroud and um, Joe Flacco expected to be garner more ownership than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has the highest projection. He has the highest median. He has the highest 88th percentile. He has the best range of outcomes of the four quarterbacks on the slate. Yeah, it's cold. So what? The Chiefs are still probably going to pass the football. They they have had, they played 17 games this season, the regular season. They had one game of a neutral pass rate over expectation. 16 games were positive pass rate over expectation. So they very clearly want to throw the football. I don't think the cold is going to prohibit them from doing that. I don't, I like, we just talked about the edges are all out for Miami. Their secondary three of their primary contributors are either out or questionable without having practiced. So yeah, like play Patrick Mahomes, dude. Play Patrick Mahomes with Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Play Patrick Mahomes with Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco. Play, like Because Isaiah Pacheco, sorry, I'm like going, I'm trying to go really fast on this, but Isaiah Pacheco has played four games this season without Jarek McKinnon in the lineup. One of those was the weird loss to the Raiders in week 16 or 17. I can't remember. 17, uh, 16. I don't know. In the other three games, he saw running back opportunity totals of 20, 22, and 25. So he goes from a lead back to a no shit workhorse back when Jarek McKinnon is not in the lineup this year. That is notable. So Rasheed Rice volume, Travis Kelsey volume, Isaiah Pacheco volume. Play some of those guys with Patrick Mahomes, man. That's how I'm seeing that side. That's fair. I, I mean, I would if I'm playing Patrick Mahomes, I Pacheco and Rice would be an interesting stack. I think I would not do that on the main, just because I, I don't know, like Pacheco catching touchdowns terrifies me. Pacheco catching the ball. I know he's getting screens. I know he's been getting a lot more yeah. love, but still one of those things that's just super, super strange. But 
let's move forward to the main slate where or the Sunday slate where the games are a lot more fun because they're inside. But we got to kick it off with another <laughs> game where we can't even see the field right now. And they're asking for people to come shovel the snow in the Buffalo Bills Pittsburgh Steelers game. I'll tell you this from my point of view. I there's a running back that I love in this game, and mm-hmm. it is Jalen Warren. I Ew. do not yep. like Giant or Najee Harris in this one. And this is the simple reason. Obviously, we know the Bills run a nickel package on pretty much every play. They they don't put linebackers on the field, they play with three safeties. Those safeties close out at top speeds. Yep. And Najee Harris is way too slow to handle people who come down with speed and they tackle him at the line of scrimmage all the time. Jalen Warren is averaging almost six yards per carry against nickel packages this year because he's just breaking that big run. Jalen Warren may be height smaller than Najee Harris. He's about the same weight. Like he runs through the arm tackles of safeties. He runs through those types of, you know, systematically or systematic play calling and, For me, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, they want to run the ball. They're going to run the ball as much as possible because they know this weather is awful and they know they just want to get a one-score game going into the fourth quarter because that is when they are built to win those games. And for me, to get that one-score game in the fourth quarter, you you got to run the ball well. And the player that I think is going to run the ball well in this matchup is Jalen Warren. He also... Leads the team in target share with Mason Rudolph on the field. That is just crazy because he doesn't play a full-time snap. He just gets these swing passes and stuff. And it's really weird because Najee Harris leads them in receiving touchdowns with Mason Rudolph as the quarterback. Super strange stuff going on. For me, the Steelers side of things, I'm going with Jalen Warren over Najee Harris. I'm going with Jalen Warren on that Sunday slate because I think that they can run the ball against this Bills defense. Ilo, I'm sure you're going to be playing the Steelers differently. I also, last note, I see this as the Mac Jones Patriots playing Buffalo in Buffalo when it was like zero degrees way back like three years ago and Mac Jones attempted three passes. Like I think there's a chance (laughs) that the Steelers go in with that philosophy on offense. Ilo, how are you playing the Steelers offense? Yeah, I don't hate that. Um, I, I I made face funny faces at you when you said Jalen Warren, but he is the player most likely to succeed from the Steelers. I also like playing sprinkling in the Pittsburgh defense. I mean, we've seen Josh Allen be turnover prone on a three game slate. If the defense scores a defensive touchdown. They're highly likely to be optimal, so um, that's totally fine as well. George Pickens is very enigmatic. We'll say on the slate, he. Got everyone excited because he had two solid games in a row where he went over 100 yards with Mason Rudolph, and then he laid an absolute clunker stinker in Week 18. And now the field is like, we're not touching him. On the full six-game slate, he's under 1% projected ownership right now. That's probably a mistake. Um, Just for his pure upside. Like, cost-considered upside, he's probably in the discussion for top three wide receivers from a cost basis versus raw ceiling perspective. So that's just a plum mistake. And on this three gamer, I think you can do some interesting things because yeah, the weather, the bills or the scary bills at home, um, people are just not going to want to, people are just riding off the Steelers. Like you said, the Steelers. I mean, they made the playoffs with a 
negative point differential this year. That's who the Steelers are under Mike Tomlin. They're just going to out grit and try and outwork you and get the game close late and then try and pull some a rabbit out of a hat. They've they've done that to some extent this year. They're in the playoffs. Um, they're, they're, they're in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. They they went they they went around the world to get there, but they they're in the playoffs. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily right to just write off the Steelers. I think their defense is very interesting playing in the cold. They're used to the cold, whatever. It doesn't matter. But their their style of defense is very in your face. Um, similar discussion. It's not the same scheme as Jim Schwartz uses, but it's a similar kind of mentality where they are in your face. They are swarming to the football. They are hawking. They're ball hawking. This is a team where like, you'll see it time and time again like elbows in and punches coming in at the football after the whistle's blown because they are just going full speed after the football on every single play. And that's just kind of their, who Mike Tomlin is and how he is as a coach. So yeah, I like that Jalen Warren. I like that on the other side, I think we should be interested in both running. Well, Jalen Warren plus um, the running back from the other side here in James cook. We saw James Cook be utilized or emphasized a couple of different times this season. The first one was against the Kansas City Chiefs, where he had five targets in the first half, um, went for like 89 yards or something, and a score on those five targets. Um, and what's interesting about this spot is Gabe Davis is out. So are they just going to say we're going to run, we're going to emphasize Dalton um, Kincaid? Are they going to, um, I don't know. So he's very interesting to me, um, James Cook. And I think Josh Allen may be super expensive, but that's kind of where my interest in this uh, Bills team ends. Yeah, I like James Cook a lot. I don't, I like Kincaid just because the Steelers can't guard slot tight ends. Uh, they've struggled with it all season long. So if Kincaid is going to, um, if the Bills are going to be throwing the ball, I think it's Kincaid. And also as we, can see now Josh Allen just doesn't know how to throw it to Stefan Diggs. He just, he sees like a completely different Jersey when he tries to throw it to him. I Stefan Diggs couldn't have been more wide open uh, for an 80 yard touchdown against Miami. Uh, yeah. Jalen Ramsey on the side and Josh Allen just can't throw the ball. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not putting Josh Allen in that, uh, the top tier quarterback play. Just, just let you know, um, I'm done. Like he's yeah, really fine. good. He's, he's phenomenal. It's just for me, He's Brett Favre, and I'm looking at Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and I just don't think Brett Favre is on their level of play. You can uh, debate that one in the comments, but that's all I've got for this game. Let's move forward to probably a more you know intriguing game. The Dallas Cowboys are taking on your Green Bay Packers. For Ooh. me, this is a spot where what do the Packers do? They play a lot of soft zone. They're very just a zone-heavy team. What do the Cowboys want to get you into? They want you in man coverage because they have talent that's going out talent you. And once you get into man coverage, CD Lamb just gravitates towards the ball for big plays. This isn't a spot for the Dallas Cowboys to be super explosive for me. I think this is a spot where Dallas is just going to be methodical, which is going to eat the game time, eat the clock. And it's going to put in a spot where like the games where CD Lamb's had over 150 yards are games where they get man coverage at high rates. Um, it's the Giants. It's when they played Philly, when they were going cover one for some reason against them. It's certain situations like that where 
you see man coverage and Dak knows immediately where he's going to the ball because that's his best player. This is a spot where whoever finds a soft spot is getting the ball. I don't mind stacking Dak Prescott. I think he's getting overplayed um, at the moment where he's coming in as a highest owned quarterback on the slate. I think if I'm playing him, it's just him, CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks or Jake Ferguson, not really trying to get unique with like a Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert. Their roles are just not built for the postseason and not really built to beat the Packers. While Jake Ferguson, you were harped on him for best ball, and he's a guy that red zone touchdowns can very well be there for him. Um, other than that, I don't have much to add for the Cowboy side of things. Pollard is fine. I just we know what Pollard is. He's a guy that gets a lot of carries, but isn't really yeah. good because they he just hasn't recovered from that surgery he had last year. And you clearly see not the same player, but the Packers run defense is pretty bad. So at least you have that going for you. But it's it doesn't feel great to play Tony Pollard at this point. How how are you playing the Cowboys? I am not playing Tony Pollard at the highest expected ownership of the running back position, even, even if that. there's a fire. <laughs> I didn't even see not, that. Gross. It's he's chalk. <laughs> he's the chalk on the slate. It's disgusting. I'm not doing that. Um, CD yeah. Lamb is still able to exploit zone. Um, very clear path to 12 to 15 targets here if they want. There is an aspect of Mike McCarthy might want to stick it to this organization, having coached for them for seven, eight years. I forget how long. Um, so that's interesting. They could keep their foot on the gas here, make a statement. Um, yeah, it's CeeDee Lamb, it's Jake Ferguson. It's a little less so Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has also been hyper-efficient against man coverage, like yep. 0. 0.46 to, uh, yards or fantasy points per route run against man this year, which is like top 20. Um, it's been a, He's been great. But um, CeeDee Lamb for me, Jake Ferguson, that's kind of it. Um, I agree on Dal on Dak. Um, I think if you play Dak, I would include Jake Ferguson plus CD Lamb because yep. Lamb is getting the yards. Jake Ferguson, you want him to score multiple touchdowns. If he does that, Dak has a very good chance of tossing three to four. Um, that's how I'm playing that. The other side, it's like whoever's healthy on the Packers play them because, like, is it Dontavian Wicks? Is it going to be Christian Watson? Is it going to be Jaden Reed? Um, is it going to be Romeo Dobbs? Everybody's freaking hurt. So like whoever plays is probably going to be emphasized. <laughs> like that's, that's it. Aaron uh, Jones, definitely a good on paper play as well. Um, yeah. I'm not going to Jordan love. I don't think like if, if Jordan love succeeds, it's just that much more likely that Dak succeeds harder. Um, so you can get exposure to Jordan Love theoretically through Dak. So I don't, I'm not playing Jordan Love, I don't think. Um, but that's kind yeah. of it. It's like Aaron Jones and then whoever's healthy pass catcher-wise. Yeah, so with um, just going back to the Packers side of things, Jordan Love's not good against man. He's not a good quarterback against man coverage. And the reason is because they've just had so many rotating pieces at the receiver position that like yeah. the only player he can truly – like just go to over and over again is Christian Watson against man. Cause he's just that, like he's that, that's yeah. what he's built to go ball long. Yeah. Like the lions game were the first game that he really got a lot of man coverage and he just like did play action, drop back and just launched it. And Christian yeah. Watson was on the other side of all of those. Other yeah, than missed that, a lot like, of them, but yeah, he missed a lot of them, but Dontavian Wicks isn't a man beater. He's a guy that, can win in some man coverages but like yeah. this cowboys defense al harris and company they've got that defense playing at a different level and then on top of it dallas just they're gonna rush four and if they're getting pressure they're getting home that bothers any quarterback and jordan love again 
phenomenal season. One of the best quarter or one of the best quarterbacks right now playing. Like he had 32 passing touchdowns out of nowhere. Kudos to Matt LaFleur and just the whole team just kind of like sticking together. The only thing Matt LaFleur is sure of is hopefully the Cowboys put up some points so that you guys just fire Joe Joe Barry. That would uh, go go fire Joe Barry and then find your way to some sort of coordinator that's playing more man coverage or just a little bit more aggressive on that side of the ball. Yeah. Um, I don't mind Aaron Jones just because of the fact that that is a big way to beat the Cowboys um, running and being a physical team. Aaron Jones can be a physical runner. And again, you guys will play two tight ends against them and just try to bully ball up front. Um, that's it for that game. Let's move forward to final game on that Sunday slate. The one that I cannot wait for Matt Stafford traveling to Detroit to face Jared Goff, the quarterback that Sean McVay traded away that saw Matt Stafford as the upgrade. There are so many pieces to this game. That's just motivational speak all the way through. Dan Campbell makes you just want to run through a brick wall every time he speaks. I'll start by saying this. I think the Lions defense is much better than what people or than people are going to treat it. And if there is a defense on the big slate that I want to get unique with, I like the defense that's playing the quarterback that led the league in pick sixes just three years ago has thrown multiple pick sixes because there's one player that there are two players that they got back last week that me and you talked about all season is like, this is a defense I'm very excited about. And it was Chauncey Gardner Johnson who Mm -hmm. just came back and had a pick and Aleem McNeil that is added to one of the best run defensive units in football. Hilo, kick it to you first. How are you going to play the Rams offense? I think Cooper Cup from an ownership versus upside perspective, we just talked about how the Lions play are known to play heavier rates of man coverage. Um, Cooper Cup and Pukunakua are both capable against man, but Cooper Cup is coming in at much lower ownership. They're effectively the same price on both slates, both sites. Um, And I'm just like following the ownership. Also a note for like playoff best ball contests. um, I know that's not the folks of the show, but like Cooper Cup is probably going to go largely overlooked in that. People are going to be choosing between, you know, stacking up uh, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams and Stafford and Cooper Cup just feels like he's going largely overlooked. So um, yeah, Cooper Cup on that side of the ball. Kyron is fine. The matchup is atrocious. The cost is non-prohibitive um but he's like a a dying breed of running back right now this year um legitimate workhorse um second best role of all running backs not named christian mccaffrey so he's totally fine here um as far as i'm leaving the tight ends alone um on the other side of this game detroit is very interesting we have jameson williams who's coming back from one missed game um we have uh sam laporta who looked like he was completely out he, dra- Dude, he practiced in full today. He practiced in full today. What the <laughs> shit? How? Yeah. He hyperextended his knee with a bone bruise. I don't know how the dude is walking. This is still different. Running. We had a. We just had him on the Amon Ra, uh, the St. Brown yeah. Bros podcast. And yeah. first off, he's hilarious. But definitely, definitely check him out. Dude, yeah. So, I mean, Amon Ra is the, the alpha and the omega of this offense. But if 
Sam Laporta is limited or if it acts up or if he gets a, a boo-boo and, and it hurts more, um, there's just a wide range of outcomes there. If he's at all limited, which he's probably going to play now, it looks like it didn't look like that before today because he went DNP, DNP. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs is the guy likeliest to step into an increased role through the air. It's not Josh Reynolds. It's not Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams has a very defined role in this offense. It's probably Jameer Gibbs. So he is most interesting to me of these pieces. Um, he has upside to see eight to 10 targets in the spot, um, particularly if the Rams somehow are playing with a lead here, which I think is not outside the realm of possibilities. So yeah, I really like Jameer Gibbs. Um, Dave Montgomery is a guy who can rush for four yards a carry on 20 carries and score twice uh, and magically put up 80 yards and two scores, which I mean, he's done. Um, so that could be meaningful. It's basically like a choose your own adventure with this game. Um, you can play anyone and everyone. I think, um, the secondary pieces, Jameson Williams, um, Josh Reynolds. Um, I wouldn't really go to secondary pieces on the Rams because they just don't use them ever. Um, but yeah, this, this game, you could play anyone and everyone really. I think if you play Stafford, Demarcus Robinson's gotta be a thing. Yeah. His, his red zone usage is just absolutely He's just insane. the he's the highest ownership yeah. of any player on the slate. Oh, yeah. so. No, that's why I said only if you're playing Stafford. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not trying to get cute. Like again, it's just one of those things where the closest defense from a schematic standpoint that of the Lions is similar to the Rams or the Saints. And we we watched Marcus Robinson kill the Saints and um obviously yeah. it was Puka over Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had 13 targets or something crazy is just Stafford and him just weren't on the same page. They took a week off last week. I'm sure Cooper Cup's probably going to look the best he's looked probably all season as crazy as that sounds. It's just, he's battled numerous injuries. Um, but yeah, I agree with you on the Ram side of things. Jameson Williams is my favorite play of the weekend. Uh, we've seen me and you Rams getting killed over and over down the field. But yeah. Jameson Williams will be that. Let's move forward to the last game. There's a lot of uncertainty with A.J. Brown, certain things with Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay wins this game, and the way that too. they win it, the Eagles' run defense hasn't been good lately, and Rashad White's pretty good. Uh, he gets a lot of carries, gets a lot of usage. I think this is a game for Rashad White, who I believe just had his birthday. Um, on top of that, Mike Evans down the field against these corners with Matt Patricia playing more cover one in recent weeks. Patricia's a guy where he's like, I'm going to play cover four. And then realizes like teams are moving methodically. He's like, I'm coming cover one. And then they kill him yeah. over the top. Um, on the Eagle side of things, AJ Brown, I have no idea what's going on with him. He Bruh. would be my favorite play of the slate if he just would be on the field. But it's a lot of scary stuff there. Devonta Smith was in a walking boot last week. Like, how healthy is he? So, Goddard. And that's about it because the Buccaneers defense is healthy and they're going to stop DeAndre Swift. I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball against them. Mm -hmm. Um, Jalen Hurts rushing touchdowns is probably his path to fantasy relevance, but I'm not going to it on this slate. Ilo, how are you playing this game? Yeah, AJ Brown, to give you a peek behind that curtain, he reportedly deleted everything that mentions the Eagles off of all of his socials. He deleted his Twitter account. He has been very outspoken. He, uh, it was his brother or his wife's brother or something like came out and said like like hit him up on socials was like bro you need to get out of philly like (laughs) it's not it's not pretty um he has also yet to practice he didn't practice friday he didn't practice thursday um he obviously monday night game he has one more chance to get on the field but his knee injury looked like sam laporta's like it was not good um 
and shout outs to, to those coaches for playing their starters in a meaningless game last week. Anyway, uh, we digress, but yeah. Um, Devonta Smith at least practiced in full this week, um, starting on, on Thursday. So he has two full practices under his belt. Um, Dallas Goddard is very interesting to me. I agree with you. Um, on the other side of that game, I really like Rashad white. Like you mentioned, um, I really want to like Mike Evans because this is the perfect schematical matchup for him. But Baker Mayfield is banged the F up. He looked like he could not breathe last game he, because he has a rib injury. He was huffing. Um, he very clearly looks immobile because of his ankle injury. So, like, add those two things together. How healthy is he? I don't know, but it's still better than Kyle Trask is probably the answer. Um, like, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they're probably, if I had to guess, because Baker's health um, and because this would be – even though it's four seed versus five seed, this would be looked at as a massive upset for the Buccaneers. I think they're going to lean on the run here. And I yep. think they're just going to try and win this game late. And I really like Rashad White. That's all I've got for that one as well. It's a pretty straightforward game. I know the Bucs secondary is something we attacked all year. Simon McCollum's no longer playing on that Bucs secondary. So it's a yeah. spot where he can uh, get it done. But that is all... I've got for the cover five where we covered six games from a DFS perspective. Be sure to look out for all of the playoff uh, content we have on the site, all the coaching news, everything that's going on. Check out the 33rd Appreciate you guys joining along and listening in. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Vanek DFS, and you can find my co-host Hilo over on Twitter at Hilo FF. Thanks guys. See ya.